Remember when we had Peter from IHS Market on the show talking about shippers' pain points and what was coming up at TPM? Well, he came back to talk about the winner of their innovation session and the secrets that were revealed at that supply chain conference. Check it out at season two. Dash episode 14. That's let's talk supply chain.com forward slash season two dash episode 14 for all that information. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach in the global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time. We're the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Welcome back, Let's Talk listeners. Are you tired of hearing the word blockchain or maybe you are having a hard time putting it into context? Well, today we are answering all your questions and putting this new trend into perspective. We will talk about what it means to your business and supply chain. We have Sapna, the host of Can Innovate podcast is here, as well as Julie Shum. And these two powerhouse women are blockchain experts and they're here to tell us more about blockchain and if it is too much hype. So Sapna Malhotra brings more than two decades of domestic and international management consulting experience in sales and business operations in the technology, financial services, and telecommunications industry. She has significant experience in leading large-scale business and IT transformation programs to deliver consistent end-user experience in demanding and fast-paced environments. Sapna is known for her constant industry curiosity and new and emerging technologies that will enable different industries to be on the forefront of this digital revolution. She has the Can Innovate podcast that focuses on learning from innovators that are crushing it in the industry. Plus, she has a career coaching business where she provides some tactical advice to get the results her clients deserve. She is a globally recognized certified management consultant and chartered professional account accountant. She holds certificates in change management leadership, Lean Six Sigma accreditation, and DevOps and UX Design Foundation certifications, and she's about to be a blockchain business certified. 
Julie Shum is a seasoned professional with a career spanning over 20 years in various industries. Julie is currently a solutions consultant performing program transformations for SMEs, applying over a decade of project management experience in large enterprises, specializing in the areas of technology, education, retail, and supply chain operations. Julie is also the Markham chapter lead for the National Charity Canada Learning Code, providing introductory technology education workshops. She is a certified AWS solutions architect, holds a certified blockchain professional accreditation, and is involved in the blockchain community hosting blockchain seminars. So welcome to the show, Sapna and Julie. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be on this. Thank you for having us. So I'm so excited to be talking about blockchain with you today. So let's get started. What is blockchain anyway? Well, first of all, Sarah, I would like to commend you on your podcast. It is amazing as a podcaster. Uh, it's really, I know how much work it takes to get on, you know, the prepare, record, edit, publish. It's not a 15 minute to produce, you know, amazing content so congrats and it's kind of odd to be on the opposite side of the microphone too so thanks so much Sapna I really appreciate that no worries um so what is blockchain I will tell you it is exciting I think the easiest way to explain blockchain is if we break it into two components because I think there's a lot of myths out there a lot of confusion out there so if we break it into two components the first one being about cryptocurrency which ultimately is just an exchange of value. And then the second component is about operational efficiency. And I think once you separate those two, you kind of go, huh, okay, let me think about that for a second. So if you look at the exchange of value and operational efficiency, it helps us kind of compartmentalize and start focusing more on about the blockchain technology that's behind it all. And that's what's really the most exciting piece about the whole thing about blockchain. So what blockchain does, it creates a level of trust and transparency based on a consensus system that we've never had before. So if you think about it, right, our banks and associations, they used to be the central point. So whenever you did a transaction, it had to go through all of the different banks in that, that country. Then it'd have to go to another country. If you're going to another country, you'd have to go through that for validation. And it could actually take quite a long time to do things. And then, of course, don't forget, the banks are there to make money. So it'd be heavy transaction fees on top of that. So what blockchain is, is a distributed ledger. So it's not a centralized ledger, which means that all the banking ledgers and company ledgers normally sit inside of a company. That's the centralized one, which means there's like one point of attack to get information. A distributed ledger is a decentralized one which means it resides on thousands and thousands and thousands of computers. You just can't hack that because you don't know where to go and get that information. So it's very, very secure. And so it creates this now this decentralized point of trust because you know the information is in multiple places and people can't get access to it. Now, the identities of people that are doing the transactions are anonymous. So you know where the transactions are coming and going. You, it's a public ledger, so anybody can see it on the system, but it actually makes sure that your information, your personal information is hidden. So you, but you know the transactions of what, whose hand it's passing through. So then you can see all those pieces. 
every transaction, once it's recorded, it's recorded. It's permanent. It's a permanent history. It can't be changed. It can't be altered. It's just that you can read it. So the identities and all the information are all encrypted. So this is the exciting part about what I find really fascinating because I'm kind of a cybersecurity kind of nut. (laughs) So I love all these different pieces that the information is immutable, which means you can't actually, you know, hack into it and, uh, and you can't change the history of things. But what I love about this encryption is that it makes it very difficult to break into it. They actually have to um, basically decode a very difficult mathematical calculation. And this is what they call encryption, the cryptographic, that's what they call it. The validation and verification of the transaction, that's what they maintain and verify on the ledger. So when I transfer something from you to I, and, you know, and I'm, so we're sending that in order for the transaction to be validated, someone has to quickly decode this system or transaction because it's so secure and then validate that it really is something that's legit, that makes sense. And then processes the processes, the actual transaction. There's no more banks, no more other intermediaries inside of there. It's completely you know, transparent and you can see exactly everything that's happening. So it's actually a liberating because it transfers the process of trust to a collective agreement about around a body of independent computers. So it's peer to peer. So I'm hoping that's making a lot more sense. It does. But I have two questions that potentially our listeners might have. So did it start with crypto? Is that where the origin of blockchain sort of came from? Well, yeah, Bitcoin really did do this. And then, and it was about the currency and the technology. And that's where Bitcoin has become this, this entity that's so exciting because it's, yes, it's about the currency itself because it's, you know, there, but it's that actual technology. So when it started way back when, and again, Bitcoin wasn't really the first one that actually showed up to be on the blockchain. There was other kind of earlier ones that were there. They just didn't get the kind of traction that Bitcoin got. But now, so Bitcoin is one platform platform for blockchain, but there are so many other platforms out there. So um, Iridium, who is a Canadian company, is one a huge one that's out there. And it's one of our, well, I'm, see, I love Canadian anything, but <laughs> this one is actually giving us a lot more flexibility. So Bitcoin is around, you know, the actual, the token itself, and where Iridium actually allows you to actually have multiple different types of tokens and, and define different types of value that you can exchange. So it makes it even more exciting. So the key thing here is not about the cryptocurrency. It's about the blockchain technology behind it. The transaction of exchanging things of value and value could be anything. It could be obviously money, could be property. It could be time. It could be anything that you deem as value when you're between. It's almost like a barter system in that kind of sense. Like it's whatever that is the exchange that's going to be. And there's a lot of discussion around the cryptocurrencies and virtual currencies, you know, so it adds to that, you know, complexity of what, how do you deem its value and so on. Um, But ultimately, it's about the technology behind things. Interesting. And then I guess just really quickly for everybody that's listening that doesn't know, what is a ledger? Um, a ledger is just an accounting system. So, you know, your normal accounting, okay, we all do taxes, right? So we all have to record all of our different activities, uh, who owns what, what owes what, you know, all those different activities. So that's what it is. It's just money. It's just an accounting system. At the end of the day, it's a ledger. It just records all the different transactions. 
Awesome. Awesome. That was a really, really great definition. And I think you put it into some real world perspective for the listeners, which is great because there's so much talk about blockchain. I feel like there are people talking about blockchain that don't really know about blockchain. (laughs) And it's kind of the word of the moment, you know, blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. It's all we're kind of hearing about. So why is there so much hype about it? I mean, what you've just talked about gets me super excited about it. I mean, with everything that I'm doing with ships and with the podcast, it, it really gets me excited because there's so many different things that it can be used for and so many different ways in business that it's going to change the way we do business. But can you tell us a little bit more, you know, why is there so much hype about it? Why is this the word of the day? Well, part of the hype is the early adopters for Bitcoin, because those early adopters got awarded big time for being a part of it, because it would just kind of skyrocket it, because they were like, oh, and at that time, they were actually, when it originally started, they were looking at it going, hey, there's not going to be any transaction fees. It's about money, getting, you know, rid of the banks and all those things. Now, you can't do 100% of all those things, and things have ever obviously evolved over time, but the price of Bitcoin did actually go up. But the other part about the hype behind it or the mystery behind it is people want to know. So the guy that created Bitcoin, his name is Santoshi Nakamoto, and people don't know who he is. If he is a person, is he a group of people? Is he, what is he? Like, is it, because, you know, for a world of social media, if you Google his name, you can't find anything about him. Like, I mean, you find all his white papers and things that he's, uh, you know, said and all those things. There's no digital footprint about what he looks like or anything. So it just adds to the mystery and intrigue. I think he, Julie, I think he came out of nowhere, right? Like 2008 and then disappeared like in 2010 or 11. Yeah, there are some traces of him, like emailed um, back and forth with certain people. But after a time, he kind of uh, went off the grid and hasn't been back since. Yeah, so it's kind of like the who's who, like, you know, where's Waldo? Where is he? Who is he? What does he look like? You know, <laughs> where's Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So you've done a really good job of painting a picture, you know, of what, where it started and, and you know, like what exactly is, is sort of blockchain. So what does it mean for business? I mean, there's a lot of talk about, Crypto, I think people actually do, now that you've put it into perspective that they kind of go hand in hand, the crypto side and the blockchain side, I think people, for some people anyways, looked at them differently. Um, so what does it all mean for business? I mean, the whole crypto and, and blockchain and, and things like that. Yeah, well, that's a great question. So if you, so you can actually have just the blockchain technology just to improve your operational effectiveness. And you don't even have to work. And you can have it as a private one, which is within just inside your company, or you can have a public one where it's across multiple different entities or whoever you want to do business with. So just the technology itself is just so phenomenal. So for example, how do you get money across the globe easily? I mean, you can think about it. There's Western Union and wires, but the transaction fees are really super large, right? I mean, they're there to make money. Blockchain technology does not care about borders. The bigger picture is, if you think about all the companies that have had security breaches, 
every time a security breach happens, and unfortunately, it seems to be happening more and more often th- these days, like, it's very rare to open up a newspaper or watch the news and not hear about a security breach these days. And just from an operational fe- effect- efficiency perspective, it's so much more secure, right? Because each transaction is coded with this cryptographic encryption code, and which is basically like a super long password, like take your arms out uh, and go, oh, that's a password. Yeah, it's probably a little longer than that. Each person has a private and a public password. Like they, they call them keys. So I, if I'm sending you money, I would say, hey, or I'm sending you something, I would give you my public key. I would never share my private key. I'm only going to give you my public key. So the only thing I can do for me to get whatever it is that I'm sending to you or whatever you're going to send to me, I have to put in this huge code that only I have. Only one code. So if you lose it, you're kind of, you know, screwed, blued, and tattooed a little bit, right? So you really need to make sure you have it. So then on top of that, this is my favorite part. Julie knows I'm a massive junkie about these things called smart contracts. Like, if anyone that has to deal with lawyers and legal and everything else and all those different conditions of the if, it, when this happens, this happens, it's crazy. The t- industry tends to use... an these smart contracts as an actually what they say is that these smart contracts will eventually remove the need for lawyers. Now I'm not a hundred percent sure that's ever going to happen, but that's kind of what, what they kind of say in the background, these smart contracts, if you think about it, they are just kind of self executing contracts. They have taken and turned the codes, turned the contracts into codes by using if when statements. So if, I'm going to send money to Sarah when the temperature is 12 degrees. It will actually do it because it's going to look and pull the the data say, oh yeah, it's 12 degrees on this day, like she said, and now I got to send Sarah the money. And it automatically executes those contracts. So smart contracts help you exchange the money, property, share, whatever you have deemed as value in a transparent, conflict-free way while avoiding those services of a middleman. So for example, we were kind of just chatting about that software that we, you know, purchased and we, you know, had a free trial period, a smart contract would have said, hey, if the this free trial is over here, automatically execute that we're going to take this payment for from this person. And then if the condition is that if the customer is not satisfied, execute this. And how do you, you know, measure it? it just turns it all into a code. So you don't actually have to have to think about, you know, what are those conditions? And there's no ambiguity. It's just very clear and transparent. Yeah. So if they didn't want to execute that contract, there would be something in there for them to just say, you know, no, I don't want to move forward. But from a technology sort of side. Exactly. It just automatically pulls the trigger. So for example, and so if you think of it from a uh, supply chain perspective, right? So if you had, you're waiting for a part to be shipped from China and if they had, you needed it by a certain day and they all of a sudden it's not getting to a certain day, it could actually put into like ramifications into the contract saying, if it does not arrive on this day, automatically you need to, uh, you know, give me back this much of a discount or refund all these things, or you give me, um, you know, this part plus this other part and something else. And you could put all those different conditions of what those things are. So if it's delayed, it automatically has to do those things because it's been programmed in this self-executing smart contract. Right. So it, it, um, 
releases a lot of sort of amend duties. So you've talked a little bit about what it means for business. I guess I'm going to throw this out there, but how do people get started with it? I mean, we're talking about blockchain and what it's going to do to business and et cetera, et cetera. But I guess some of the questions for the businesses are, you know, how do we even get started? Who do we talk to? What do we do? I mean, I can see that it's going to, you know, increase effectiveness and efficiency in my operations. And, you know, I understand sort of now the difference between private and public and, you know, the keys and and that there's no borders for blockchains and things like that. But, you know, what do we, who do we even turn to, to start something like this? Well, it's a good question. I mean, well, one, you can always come to all of us. We're always there to help to kind of brainstorm things out. But there's a lot of companies out there that are actually doing a lot more consulting around blockchain. I mean, the first thing is, is that you're going to need to think about all of those use case scenarios that cost you in terms of time. It costs you money because of time. It costs the lack of trust that's out there. All those things. You got to come up with a bunch of different scenarios that are really impeding your business. That's not helping you grow. It's actually just stifling it or it's creating a lot more delays. And you know, you can use them, those lean principles. And when you look at your process documentation, like take a look at what is those kinds of things that are happening that are causing complaints with your customers or how can you achieve things differently with your competitors that if it would give you a slighter edge, if maybe you can get things out within two days as opposed to, you know, in seven business days. Is that a possibility? You can think about it from those kind of perspectives, but you've got to do some good brainstorming and some heart to heart. Yes. We all know what we put on a process piece of paper is not exactly necessarily what's actually happening in reality inside of our businesses. So you got to have to do some really good brainstorming, get, you know, a good workshop going on to really understand what it is that it could be a potential for something. And then it could be easily validated. Is, can the technology actually apply to help us bring that clarity and, and that level of transparency? Because sometimes you don't need it. Sometimes it's something so simple that you might think, oh, you know what? Actually, I don't need this. I could probably just outsource this functionality come to think of it. So I don't need to invest in this type of technology. So then I guess my, I'm going to throw this out there as well. And how affordable is it for business? I mean, we've got SMEs and we've got large companies, corporations, right? Large corporations don't have the flexibility uh, or don't have as much flexibility to pivot. It takes them a little bit more time to maybe implement, but they have the budget. And then you've got the SMEs that are really doing their research, understanding new innovation, understanding more and more about these types of technologies, how they can help their business, but maybe their budget is kind of limited. So what does that mean for a business as far as, far as affordability? Who are we going to see using this type of technology first? I think you're going to see a lot of large, well, you're already starting to see a lot of large corporations using the technology because they do have deeper pockets. And again, it is earlier days that, you know, so it is maybe seen as more expensive than other things because, you know, there's not a, there's not a lot out there. I mean, there's a lot of different types of technologies, but which one is the right size for your company? But it does not mean that smaller businesses cannot take advantage of it. There are these different things that are, are GUI interfaces to help things out. So there's different ways that you can actually be able to leverage it in different pieces of the depending on exactly what it is that you're trying to do. Like if you're running a global business and which, you know, supply chain, you run across multiple different areas, right? 
you're going to look at it a little bit more differently than if it's a small, small size business go, Hey, I only want to execute and just use the functionality of say smart contracts. Okay. Do I need something that's a much more heavier, bulkier infrastructure to execute that? Mm, you know, and that's where it kind of goes into, Hey, there's some other options out there. So it's going to go back to what exactly is the intended use and the breadth and everything else. And so you're going to definitely want to pilot it out. And exactly that where it's like, you know, any other technology that you would investigate and want to invest in, I think you really have to analyze your ROI and what you decide, whether it's blockchain or anything else. Absolutely. So I guess my next question, I'm going to throw this again out there. Um, For looking for an expert, right? Looking to work with somebody, are they looking for a consultant who can look with, look for the right technology company to work with? Like, what is that process? And if you are looking to work with a consultant or a company, what are they looking for as far as credentials? Because obviously, you know, going into it, it's a large investment for an SME, for sure. It's a large investment for any company. And you want to make sure that you're working with the right people. So before we get into, you know, specifics to supply chain and how blockchain is being used in supply chain, let's just, you know, tell us a little bit about what people should be looking for to make sure that they're working with the right people if they do decide to go down this route. One of the things I would suggest, I think it's a really valid question, and though, you know, consultants, anyone can call themselves a consultant these days. Anyone can say that they know about the blockchain. And by the way, like even when I was, you know, when Julie and I were actually get, we got certified at the blockchain hub here at Ryerson because we wanted to make sure we actually had the foundational knowledge and the support and the network of people to be able to kind of leverage. So if we need extra, extra pieces that, you know, to the pie, you know, to understand the bigger picture, to have that mechanism. And you got to make sure that they actually understand where, like, are they getting additional training or are they just going to a couple of meetups and people are just kind of putting their opinion? Like, how are they, are they experts? Like, what are, is it that they're doing that's a little bit more different? So even on the, you know, the podcast that I, you know, the, the Can Innovate podcast, I got a bunch of different, you know, companies that keep showcasing about all the stuff that they're doing in the startup world. They had no credentials in it. They started to play around with the technology and getting, you know, learning different things. So they did the learn by doing things, but you can actually see the results of what they're doing, right? So it goes to, Hey, it's kind of, when you're looking at a consultant to see who they are, I would look at one, their credentials itself and credentials can be, yes, not just certification, but have they actually done it already or have they been doing it or are they just going to different lighthearted things? They saw maybe a documentary on it and then so on because Everything in the blockchain world changes overnight. There are more and more rules are coming into place, more new, potentially new regulations coming into place. Like new things are constantly happening because it's evolving over time. Uh, so it's really exciting. It's very exciting, but definitely do your due diligence just like you would do with anything else. When you do business with anybody, you're going to do your due diligence. And Julie knows I got this power, this um, philosophy that every time you're doing working with any kind of consultant or any company, you should always get three quotes. There's a magic in the number of three because you'll get three different opinions, three different approaches, and it gives you more information. So always go and talk to three different people to see what they would say. It gives you that breadth of knowledge. Julie, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, it's definitely like, as Sapna said, look at the person's credentials. If you're investigating hiring a consultant or even just kind of having a chat about blockchain and trying to make sure that you get the right information, you also have to keep in mind that blockchain only really kind of 
hit the public in 2008. So um, we only have so many years behind us that we have um, experience and education about. So also keep that in mind. And what I'm finding as we, uh, Sapna and I go along is that someone with um, true experience and depth so far is really got kind of at least three years on the, in their belt, um, under their belt to, to be able to apply and, and understand use cases for blockchain. So that, that's a good benchmark to use as well. Yeah, and I guess also taking a look at what they've done in the past and how they how successful they've been um, working with other businesses and things like that, getting examples. So thank you for that because I think that that's going to help our listeners, you know, um, really grasp blockchain and how they can implement it and what's the you know easiest route and, and sort of helping them to navigate this whole thing. So um, I want to talk about supply chain. Blockchain is like the word of the day, you know, out there, but especially in supply chain, blockchain is being thrown around everywhere. It's being thrown around by carriers and steamship lines and freight forwarders and, and uh, everybody's using the word. So what does it mean for supply chain? What does blockchain mean for supply chain? I totally agree. Blockchain now is ubiquitous. And what it means for supply chain, as um, Sapna mentioned at the very top of the podcast, is that really at the operational efficiency level. And because blockchain provides transparency, improved communication flow, and there's that inherent trust between parties because they're shared ledgers, um, that really facilitates the ability to optimize the supply chain activities because you can see it um, in its entirety and holistically and blockchain being decentralized, providing that transparency through the supply chain, right from the beginning where you have your raw materials or vendors that supply those materials right through to the customer. It actually allows for each touch point along the supply chain to be recorded as a transaction against these shared ledgers. And, um, Amongst all that are involved within the supply chain, they get that information pretty much immediately. Um, with those shared ledgers as well, they contain the same information across the board. So um, as, again, as Sapna had mentioned, that these ledgers, everyone has view of the exact same information. They each have a copy of the exact same information, and that's where that transparency lies. And be, where, no matter where you participate in the supply chain, you get this view um, as a vendor, a logistics carrier, wholesaler, retailer, even the end customer. So you can imagine like the power within it, um, given this information, but also keeping in mind that you have control over what people are able to view within supply chain. Um, and the more likely the supply chain blockchain format would be uh, permissioned or private blockchain. So only those members within that supply chain can view this information. Um, and there's even more that you can add to it. And not just in the blockchain sense of things is that you can incorporate IOT devices. And this is, Really important because we just encountered something with um, E. coli and romaine lettuce so as an example where um, consumer goods, especially these perishables, given this information, you can actually then go back and see almost immediately where things may have disrupted the supply chain to cause um, these issues amongst it, amongst the partners within the supply chain, as an example. 
So we are going to stop the discussion right there. And the only reason why we're going to do that is because we get into so much information that this whole episode was an hour long. And we want to make sure that it's easy for you to listen to and um, that you have enough time to really be able to absorb some of this amazing, amazing information that Sapna and Julie gave to us today. So stay tuned. Part two is coming up next week and we get into even more about blockchain and supply chain. Um, we're going to be talking you know, about where we are in the blockchain movement. Do shippers and logistics companies have to invest in this technology now? What the current challenges of blockchain is and what the future looks like in the world of blockchain and supply chain. You are not going to want to miss the rest of this episode. So just stay tuned next week as we upload and um, launch part two of this episode. So this episode will be at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 15. And then part two will be season two dash episode 16. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Remember to go to ships.com, shipz.com. We are coming so close to looking into and building out our ICO. So you want to make sure you're the first to know about that. And remember to leave us some reviews on iTunes, or you can even email me at listener at letstalksupplychain.com. Have an amazing day. And remember, everybody, ship happens. Happens.